0: Good morning. All right, let's get into the word. Obviously, next Saturday is Christmas, and wow, that's always the best. And uh, I love Christmas time. I love studying every year around Christmas time. I like uh, diving back into the nativity, right into the story of Jesus and how He got here. And every year, God always brings somebody different to my mind, like. You know, I've I've studied, I've seen it from every perspective. Almost, I thought, and uh, from the wise men, from Mary, from the shepherds, from from the angels, from you know, different ones every year. And uh, this year, I'm reading, and it hit me a little different. One I never even thought of was Joseph. So today, we're going to kind of start out looking at the nativity from Joseph's perspective, and and if you. If I ask everybody in here and I polled you to tell me everything you know about Joseph, you would all give me the exact same information because the only information we have is in basically two little spots in the Bible about Joseph. There's nowhere past uh Matthew and Luke do they even mention him again. There's no historical records about him. There's a couple... uh Old writings that suggest things about him, but they're not canonized and most people believe they're, they're false. Uh, but, so, we're gonna talk or look at Joseph a little bit and then this message may not be a typical, uh, Christmas message, but it's what the Lord gave me. So, we're gonna go into Matthew 1 and, uh, Matthew 1 verse 18 it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You, Lord, for for such a story. We thank You that in our sin, Lord, in our lost, Lord, as, as we were people who did not know You, You already had a plan. We thank You that You allowed Your Son to be born. We thank You that That you loved us so much, and you want us to be one with you, that you you devised a plan to make that happen, Lord. I pray that you would speak to our hearts today, Lord, and you would reveal to us the exact words you have for us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So I, I I'm looking at Joseph in here, and like I said, there's not a lot written about him. This is one of the places that's actually got a story about him, but from this, you can do some deductive reasoning to kind of figure out who he may have been a little bit. And when I look at Joseph, one of the things that really stands out to me is whenever he found out his wife was pregnant or his betrothed was pregnant, it said he was contemplating on what to do, right? He was going to quietly divorce her. He wasn't a man to take a, a quick response or a quick reaction kind of thing. He was a man who was trying to do what was right. He was a man who, uh, he had every right to divorce her. He had every right to just jump out and say, how dare you, and overreact and, and denounce her, and there's not a person around who would have judged him for it. In fact, they probably would have said, what a righteous man is he. Right, because he would have been living by the law. But he didn't. He said, I'm going to quietly do this, so don't ruin your life. And then we'll we'll figure this out, we'll work this through, right? And 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 I believe it's that kind of heart that the Lord was able to use. Somebody who was sitting there trying to figure out the right thing to do. Somebody who's waiting on what to do and the Lord said, Hey, hold on, here we go. What if he would have jumped out real quick and said, Nope, I'm out and ran away? What would have happened? Obviously it couldn't happen because the Lord knew the right person to use but he could have quickly reacted. He could have looked at the situation and said, this is all wrong. I want no part of it. Could have been easily done. And nobody would have ever said a where, and we probably would have never knew about him. But he didn't do that. He looked at it and he said, and, and, and I, I share this because one of the things I think about at Christmas time a lot of times is when you see wrapping on a present, you see a present wrapped and and uh i myself i could care less how good a present looks when it's wrapped actually i like the ones who are wrapped ugly or like if you see a child wrap a present you're like that's my kind of person right there i like it that's, that's what i do right and it uh but some people can't do that <laughs> and uh they have to fix it right you have to it drives you nuts when you see how it's wrapped and, and I don't mean to call Ian out. I was just joking there because this, this wrapping actually has a deeper meaning. So I don't want to think that I'm pointing to her in this message. I'm not. It, uh, I was about the presence, about the presence because some people can't do that. They look at the, the wrapping and they're, they're so focused on how that looks and you're focused on the on that and you're you can't you can't even think about what's in it you're just looking at it and like this is hideous this don't look right it has to be fixed and some people get so focused on the wrapping that uh and we all know them. we know people who whenever they're unwrapping their presents they got to do it all nice and clean and they save the paper maybe or or the the box that came in or or, you know, oh, that's a beautiful bow. Let's save that the next year. We can reuse that. And some people get so focused on the wrapping that that's part of the gift to them, right? It uh, maybe more so, you know. And whenever a little kid, like whenever you have a toddler, like little bitty, sometimes they don't even care what's in what the gift is. They care more about the box. They care more about the, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll play with wrapping paper forever and you just spend a hundred dollars on a gift and they, they're like, whatever. I don't care. Right, They don't see the value in the gift, they see the value in the wrapping. Joseph didn't see the value in the wrapping. Right, He didn't get distracted by what it looked like on the outside. He was trying to figure out what the gift was, what was right. He was looking at the value. And whenever the the angel came to him and said, Hey, this is the Son of God. He received it. It became the, the true value. And no longer did. was he worried about the wrapping. Actually, he became part of that wrapping. He became part of the presentation. He was now able to be a part of it. The gift was the Son of God. And I can't, I can't wrap my head around what Joseph would have been thinking in that moment whenever he's told you are going to Be the adopted father, pretty much, of the Son of God. You are to raise Him as your own. I want you to be a part of this, even though it looks wrong. I want you to be a part of it. Now, I think of these things, and I think that if we saw a mother who was pregnant out of wedlock, our first reaction would probably be kind of like, how did this happen? Why should I like this? Our, our thoughts not always to try to help. Our, our thoughts not always try to be a part of that wrapping for that gift, right? We don't always think that way. Sometimes we're trying to point out an issue more than we are being part of the, the solution. And uh so I look at Joseph and I can deduct that he was a good man in that aspect and that he was one who was not quick to reaction. We know that he is of the lineage of David, so there is a uh there's like a a line of royalty there. And if you ever studied the lineage of David, there's there was good royalty, bad royalty, there's a lot to that, and there's a there's a long line there. But another thing I can think about with uh With Joseph, whenever I'm reading these things, is um, he probably was not of high stature. He's probably just your everyday man. He was your everyday carpenter. And the reason why I say that is is he was able to keep his life kind of hidden because the only way this would have worked for him is is if a lot of people weren't watching. If he would have been somebody of high stature they would have quickly pointed out that they were pregnant out of wedlock. And they would have heaped judgment upon them. And I don't know what, they probably would have been exiled. I don't know. She could have still been put to death. Uh, at the least, she there would have been, I don't know, it would have been far worse for him if people would have knew it, but he was able to help keep it under wraps. He was able to do that. So he wasn't somebody of high stature. He was just an everyday person. Uh, I will say he's also a man, as we see in this, who uh, is resourceful, as we'll see later on. Uh, here he is. There's no place. He, he couldn't have been somebody of high money. Otherwise, he would have bought his way into the inn. Uh, he could have done it. Or uh, if he was somebody of high stature, they probably would have just put him in, Right? But he was resourceful also in the fact that whenever he had nothing, they were able to put together a manger. They were able to find a place for that baby to be born. And instead of pointing out what they didn't have, he made a way. And how many of us, if we saw a baby born in a barn, sitting in a feeding trough, our first thought would be is, wow, those parents don't need that baby. We need to take that baby. We need to... Like, I don't know, we need to get CPS in there to take care of this instead of, you know, coming alongside and helping these people. And and that's what I kind of see when I see this is, if this happened modern day, that baby would have been taken from him. He wouldn't have been worshipped. Because we often look at the package and we want to fix the package instead of looking at the gift and being a part of the package for that gift. Right. Now, the shepherds, they came and they were part of the package. They came and they worshiped. The angels, they came and worshiped. But how many people passed by, seen the package, and never noticed the gift inside? That was a full town. Bethlehem was packed because everybody was back for the census. It was packed, and so many people missed the gift because they looked at the package. And I imagine when you walk by the barn, you probably did not expect the Son of God to be in the barn anyway. But they weren't looking. We know there were signs because the wise men seen it. Right? We know there were signs, but somehow they did not see. They weren't paying attention. So when we move on to uh, Luke 2, we we'll we're start in verse 1 and 2 and then we'll skip... 3 and go to 4. It says, In those days a decree went out to Caesar Augustus that all the, all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius uh, was governor of Syria. And Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judah, Judea of the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, The time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to the firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. It just blows my eye. I would imagine that innkeeper, if he now knows, and he would have to know that that was the Son of God, I imagine he is kicking himself over and over. He missed it. He missed his opportunity, which we know was God's plan, but... You know what? Whenever we miss God's plan, it's rough. And in the same region, there was shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone upon them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day the city of David, a Savior who is... Christ the Lord and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praying praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those for whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from from them into heaven the shepherds said to one another let's go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying. They made known the saying that had been told from the concern, them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. I like that there was other people listening. That means there were others, probably of no stature, who took notice. There had to be somebody else who took notice in this uh, because they were listening and they saw. But they had no stature. You would know it. Right? But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given to the, by the angels because he was conceived in the womb. And uh, I think of these shepherds whenever they come into this place. Now, mind you, shepherds would have been very familiar with a stable. With a barn, right? So they walk in and they weren't uncomfortable with it. They did, they probably didn't even think it was that odd that a baby's in there. I don't know. Their, their thought process is, is the Lord just showed us something. Let's go see it. Mary and Joseph are there with a baby and they're more focused on the gift of that baby than they are the surroundings, right? And, uh, as this message was coming to me, I was wondering what real life, uh, example could I have in that, and and there's a lot of them that we can we can think of this, but actually yesterday it came to me, and I didn't think about it actually until this morning, and uh, yesterday we went to that to that cookout to the 11th Street get together, and I walk up, and when I walk up, Pastor Chad and Jason are talking to this man, who I assumed they were ministering to. Now, I'm telling you, I am looking at a package. I am not looking at a gift when I'm walking up. And Jason and Chad are sitting there. And this guy, I don't want to pass a judgment on him, but he looked like the type of person you would minister to. He did not look like a gift necessarily. And as I'm walking up and I get up there and they're talking, and Pastor Chad says, hey, Eddie, have you met Gary? Gary. Gary does a local ministry. He reaches out to the homeless. He provides backpacks. He provides supplies for the homeless. Is something we'd really enjoy. And then it dawned on me that, wait a minute, he's actually ministering to them. He's teaching them. Right? But when I walked up, it looked the other way. It appeared the other way because, first off, I know Pastor Chad and I know Jason. I didn't know this guy. And he did not look the part of a minister. Am I right? And it, it, he didn't look the part. And he begins speaking. And then finally, you know, I think Chad had walked away. Maybe I don't remember how it worked. But I asked the guy, what kind of stuff do you supply? What do you do? And he starts telling us, you know, we supply uh, toiletries. We supply, you know, shaving cream, razors, toothpaste, uh hygiene products, that's what we provide, and he said, and, you know, sometimes we'll do clothes or, or food, but that's not what we do, and he just keeps going through the things that are of, of importance in this, stuff that we would have never dawned on us, we would have probably provided the wrong stuff, and he said, I was, I was, uh, I was homeless before, for 30 years, I haven't been, I've been clean, I've been good, but I understand the needs, right, and then there's kids over playing, and I started getting distracted by the kids, because most of you know I like to play. And, uh, and eventually I went over and talked to him a little bit, and Jason's still over there, gleaning from this man the true gift. He's, he's getting this gift this guy has. The guy wasn't a gift. He was actually the package. The gift was within him. And Jason took time to recognize that. And when the guy left, Jason said, you know what? That's something I could really get behind. But if you would have been outside like I was looking over, here's Jason, you know, who's always clean, dressed nice, uh, looks professional. And you see who looks like he could still be homeless um, to an extent. I mean, he was very clean and all that, but he just had a different look about him. You would have thought the gift was in Jason. You would have thought the package was Jason was the right package. You would have thought that, but it wasn't because sometimes we get distracted by the way things look and we won't look inside. We won't accept the gift. The shepherds did. Jason did yesterday. Pastor Chad did. it. Uh, you have to remember that a package it, it can be deceiving. And we're going to go here in a minute into Matthew uh, 23. And uh, Matthew 23... Uh, Actually I'm going to go a little bit further into I'm going to actually go to luke uh two forty one here in a minute uh, but we have to remember a uh we have to remember not to ever be distracted by the way something looks. If we took and looked at Jesus Christ, we all have an idea of what we like about Jesus. We have an idea of how Jesus looks. Um, and how he ministered. But if you truly break down all the teachings of Jesus Christ, we would not like Jesus Christ to be a minister in our churches. He called people names. He fashioned a whip of cords. Took the time to premeditate going in and whipping people. We would kick him out of our church. It's like, you're not a minister, man. You can't do that. That is rude, right? He's a bully. We would give him names. We'd call him things that he was not. But he had to do it. He was Jesus. Who am I to ever say he was wrong? He was fully God. He was fully man. But he never did anything wrong. And we would not allow him to be a minister in our church today if you read the things he did, the things he said. What he called the leaders of the people. He wouldn't make it. The package would look wrong. Yet he was the true gift. The package looked wrong. I I don't know. There's very few people in Scripture that would minister, be allowed to minister today. Maybe Barnabas. Maybe. Because he's very encouraging. But not very many. Not even Elisha. You know, he called out bears to kill people. I mean, we, we, we get it wrong sometimes. We're worried more about the way things look than the gift inside, right? Uh, and I'm gonna just kind of paraphrase Luke 2 until we get to the bottom. And this is where Jesus was, and his parents were, uh, at the temple area and they had went down, uh, to Jerusalem for a feast, for the Passover. And a family leaves, and it tells us that Mary and Joseph thought Jesus was with the other people in the caravan, because there's a big caravan, it says, of family and, and acquaintances. They thought he was in it, and he wasn't. He was back at the temple teaching. And they go back, and they find him three days later, right? They'd search for three days for him, and they had to find him. First off, most of us would have said, Joseph is a horrible parent, We need to take this kid from him. We would have looked at it differently. Scripture doesn't look at it that way, and you would think Luke was probably the more detailed person, the one who was most focused on stuff. You would have thought he would have pointed out that the parents lost their son, but he didn't didn't do that because it was Jesus. He focused on what was important here. Even though I I often think, if you're Joseph and you lost a son of God... (laughs) How scared were you? (laughs) I mean, I I can't imagine. I imagine trembling, fear, and the whole time thinking like, Lord, please protect him. I'm sorry. You know, but I can't imagine how that looked. When they found him, he was teaching. uh, Sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and answers and heard him. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you uh, treated us this way? And he said, Behold. Or she said, Behold, your father and son, or your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why are you looking for me? You knew I had to be about my father's business. She treasured that, it says. She knew it but it also says that he submitted to them. That's nothing for the message necessarily, but always remember that Jesus had to submit and we often don't want to. Jesus made a conscious effort to submit to his parents, right or wrong. He submitted, but here's something that is kind of an added bonus that I've never seen before in this and uh, never, I say I've never seen, it. I've seen it, but it never hit me. Uh, that is very encouraging. We all have gifts, right? And we all, sometimes we can be focused more on how we look on the outside or how things are done, and we all have this gift. Jesus had a gift. They've seen it, right? And uh, He is the gift, packaged in flesh. But when you get down to verse 52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, and in favor, right? And you see those words, he increased in wisdom, and in stature, and in favor, but not with man, it says, well, with man, but it also says with God. He was growing. Jesus did not start out in high in wisdom, stature, and favor. It was something he had to grow into. Sometimes we think when we start out, we should just have it all together. We think our gift should be perfect. We should think our gift should be put into place. Like, you know, we say, use your gift. And you're like, well, yeah, but I, I don't have the gift of being a pastor. I can't be, a, I don't have the gift of being a teacher. Guess what? Jesus didn't either when he started out. He had to grow into it. He had to use his gifts. For three days, he was teaching in the temple before he became this great minister. But he actually grew into it, it says. We often think it just was put upon him. He had to grow. We have to grow. I just want you to remember that. You, you, we all have a gift that needs to be used. Now we're going to go to Matthew 23. And as I was praying last night about, about what... The, how this is practical, how we look uh with our gifts, and how we recognize gifts, and how we don 't get distracted by the wrapping by the by the present itself and uh I was led to matthew twenty three and I read through matthew twenty three and I was like no nah, that ain't it that 's not it lord that's not a that 's not a christmas message that 's not a nice message that 's actually a horrible place to go is what I thought, but I left it open. I went to bed, I woke up this morning, and God showed me how he was going to use Matthew 23 for us. So whenever we go through this, don't think we're evil. Even though those who don't bear fruit, we know from Scripture, Jesus said, are wicked, and we need to turn from that. Uh, Don't get distracted necessarily with the wording. Listen to what the Lord's speaking to us. So it says, Then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. He's talking about the uh, Pharisees and the scribes and all the rest. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, and they themselves are not willing to move them with their fingers. They do all the deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylactery broad, and their fringe is long. And I'm gonna stop there for a second. If you don't know what phylacteries are, it was a box. It was a thing that, like, scriptures and prayers of of uh Pharisees, and they would go around with them. And it was it was to show you that they were somebody, and they've been praying for these great things. And they would make them big. The bigger yours were, the more holy you were seen. And they wanted people to see them as holy. I'm better than you. I'm doing these things. And they were very proud of it. And the fringes were the same. It was all it was all for show in their in their aspect when Joseph's the one God used. And he was humble. I bet he didn't even have a phylactery. But God said, Hey, I can use you. Says and they love the place of honor at feast and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. And you know what's funny? Like it just hit me. That Gary guy yesterday was talking to Jason about his ministry. What he said about his ministry is is I don't have to be in charge of it. I would like for somebody to come in, and if they took over, I just want to help them. It's his ministry. He was willing to hand it over to anybody who wanted it. And he would come in and serve. It wasn't about him. It was about the gift that God gave him, how he can serve other people. It blew my mind when he said it. I'm thinking like, he wasn't sitting there saying like, I'd like to get some people underneath me that can do this. No. Hey, if somebody can come in and do it better, I want to serve them. I want to help them. And it was about what we can do. It was about the gift. And I I loved that about that guy. And go down a little bit. It said, "Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted." But woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and... for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves, nor allow those who would enter to go in. And sometimes we can do that. We can look at people and we immediately judge them and we try to tell them how they should be doing something or how they should look or we heap all these things upon them that they can't they can't control they can't do on their own if they could they'd already be doing it right and sometimes we do that because here i am holier than thou because i follow the lord and you should look like me right we do that and uh and then we've heaped the burden on them that they can't they can't carry. You know what? We can't either. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him as much a child of hell as yourself. (laughs) Jesus sure didn't hold back. If I came in here and I'm like, Pastor Chad, you're making people, you're sending the hell people to hell, and you're going, to, and twice as much as they are, you're going to, or twice as much as you, they're going, the people falling, you're going to be there. You guys would be like, Eddie, you need to get out of here. Which isn't true because I see the fruit of what Pastor Chad's doing, but that's basically what he was doing. He was calling out their leaders and saying, Hey, you're sending everybody to hell. If they're twice as bad as you are, and you're bad. We have to be careful. We have to. uh we can't be hypocrites. We need to be people who are humbled. We need to be people who are following the Lord. We need to be packages for the real gift. And we have gifts that need to be used. What do you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold on the temple, he is bound by his oath, you blind fools. and by him who dwells in it and whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it and this is a this is one that can be very different but some things i want to point out is a gift is only as good as the one that it glorifies okay we have gifts in us we've all been given a gift some people have a gift even just to make money. Some people have a gift to serve others. Some have a gift to love people. I love watching Keevan. Every time I talk to Keevan, him and I are just talking about ministry, all he says is, I just want to love people and hug them. Right? And it, sometimes he gets like to the point that you just see him ready to hug everybody around. It's a gift he has, right? It's a, it's a gift. And uh, he wants to share it for the glory of God. And whatever our gift is, if we are not glorifying God with it, it's not sacred. It's actually being used wrong. If you're making money and it's not to the glory of God, we need to look at that. If if we're if we're drawing people near to us but not into the kingdom of God, we need to figure out what's wrong. There's a problem with our gift, it's not a sacred gift at that point. It's being used wrong. It's actually an evil gift, is what. Christ tells us in Scripture whenever he's talking about the parable of the talents. If we're not using it to expand, then it's wicked, right? We have to make sure our gifts are being sacred. The other thing is, is he talks about the temple. And uh, we have so many people who always want to tear down the church and they want to talk about how there's problems with the church. But if a church is glorifying God, we don't tear that down. We become a part of it. Right? It, uh, sometimes people are like, yeah, but the church is so distracted. The church isn't glorifying God. If a church is glorifying God, and we are God's people, it should never be attacked. Because it is a gift inside of there. There's something good inside of that. We need to look at the gifts inside of the church. Jesus is very open about what is wrong with all these people and what's even wrong about us if we look at these right. What do you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you, tithe, mint, deal, and coming, human, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, mercy and faithfulness? These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You build... Fine guy straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. There's a lot of people who give. They can give finances, they can, they can give, uh, well, you hear it all the time. A lot of people like to throw resources at something and then say, I did my part. And resources are necessary. Because he says it. He says, yeah, you should do that and give out mercy, give out justice, give out righteousness. And we should be using all that God gave us, not just throwing something at, you know, we can give all the money in the world and then say, why are our leaders not doing something? Well, why are you not? You're like, I did, I gave money. Yep, you did, but you didn't do anything else. We were given a gift to use. And some people will use one and not the other. Some will give out mercy and everything else, and they won't give their resources. But he's saying do both. I gave it to you, now use it. Right? What are you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites? I always like how he just says it over and over. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and the outside also may be clean. Think of, think of yourself. What is inside of you that's not clean? Do we point out wherever other people are wrong and we're not sitting here focused on ourselves? Right? It's important. I can look at my brother and say, hey, he got this problem, he has that problem. Hey, he don't need me to do that. He needs me to focus on being the best I can be, being as clean as I can be, right? The gift should be inside of me, and I I can have a great-looking wrapper, but if the gift inside is not right, it's pointless, it's worthless. The value's in the gift, not in the wrapping, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. That's scary. That is a scary thought. That people can think we look right and people can think we are holy and people can think that we are, we are following the Lord, but inside got Jesus saying, you're dead. I can't use you. The gift's not there. You look good, but you're not there. I'd much rather somebody come up to me and say, man, your wrapping's all messed up. You don't look right. And the Lord says, you're the one I'm using. Your heart's right. I can use that. David got used because his heart was after the Lord, not because he looked apart. And really, if you look, and I don't even know if I have it in here, I probably don't, but if you look at 1 Samuel, whenever uh, the Lord talked to Samuel, He said, I don't look at the outward appearance, I look at what's on the inside. You look at the outside appearance. He said, I don't. And we have to stop looking at the outside appearance so much. Things don't always look good. Doesn't mean they're not good. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in those days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. How many times have you ever read scripture and you're like how do they keep doing this? They should have knew. I will tell you if I would have been in these times I would have been the worst of the worst. If I would have been there during the uh, the times of Moses and the Egyptians were out there complaining, I would have been complaining with them. Right? Whenever they were stoning or well shouting to have Jesus killed, I probably would have been there. I probably would have been there at the time. It's easy when you're removed from that to look back and say, oh, yeah, that's wrong. But in that moment, I would have looked at it and I would have thought, like, this can't be a God. This can't be our Savior. He rode in on a donkey. He's now taken captive. Sure, he did a lot of good stuff, but just didn't look right. And sometimes we can look at other people and say, hey. They just don't look right. I wouldn't do it that way. Anybody who's ever been in leadership, not just in church but at a business, can tell you that those under them can always tell them the best way to do everything because it's not their responsibility. But whenever you're put in a place of responsibility, immediately you're like, oh, I can't do it that way. Immediately the the way you make uh, decisions has changed. But it's easy to look at other people and say, why would they do that? Instead of sitting down and say, why would you do that? Explain it to me, right? I got that opportunity yesterday with Gary to say, hey, how does that look? What does that look like? And he could explain it to me. And what he does, because if you tell me to go minister to homeless people, I'm going to try to find them a place to live. I'm going to try to do all this other stuff. And he's like, nope, it's not even the way you do it. And I would have been wrong and he would have been right. But from the outside looking in, I would have thought I knew what I was doing. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. (laughs) I like this. You serpents, you brood of vipers. Let Chad come up here one day and just start calling people names. <laughs> I can't imagine how many meetings Jason and Randy and, and uh, Keevan and I would have to have, but it would be a lot. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you Prophets. "...and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel and to the blood of Zachariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. And sometimes we can look. We can look at people and we can tear them down. We can look at the package and think they have nothing good to offer. All the prophets who got killed probably didn't look right. Most of them didn't. Look at John the Baptist. If we saw John the Baptist, we'd say, what a weirdo. What what do they call him in in The Chosen, Creepy John, isn't that what it is? Creepy John. That'd be what we call him, like, that guy's guy weird. How many people have you seen around churches that are trying to do a good work and you look at them you're like, wow, that guy's weird. We judge them by the packaging. We look at the wrapping and we want to fix the wrapping instead of looking at the gift inside and becoming part of that gift, becoming part of that package. Joseph could have quickly turned from from what he did and nobody would have judged him. He could have said the package isn't right. And he would have missed out on probably the greatest blessing of his life. I know of the greatest blessing of his life. Could you imagine getting to raise the Son of God? Could you imagine being part of sharing the gospel because we stop looking at packages and we start being part of the package for the gift? The values in the gift... The value is not in the packaging. The value is not in how we look. The Pharisees looked every bit the part, yet they had no good gifts. They had nothing to offer except a package that looked good. We're going into Christmas next week and there's going to be a lot of gifts under that tree. Won't be good gifts probably. Probably won't be the same, but hopefully it makes us remember what the true gift is and how we use our gifts. We were given a gift. We need to focus less on how the package on the outside looks and how we're using the gift inside to glorify the one who gave us the gift. Gifts only as good as the one who gave it. And how it glorifies Him. That's all I have. I'm going to close in prayer. and I don't know if Tracy wants to play or not. I'd assume she does, but... uh, a lot of us will be heading over to Evansville, and this will be a good time to use our gifts, also. So, Father God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your gift. I thank you that even when the package didn't look right, Lord, the gift was still valuable, Lord. I pray, God, as we go, we go through the day, Lord. We go through the through our lives, Lord, that we would not be so focused on outward appearances. We would not be focused on how things look, Lord, but we'd be focused more on the gift. We'd be focused more on sharing Your gifts, on on lifting up Your gifts, on glorifying You with the gifts, Lord, and we'd be focused more on You being the true gift, Jesus. Help our hearts, Lord. Help us be focused more on what You're doing, Lord. You said we will recognize them by your gifts, Lord, and let us or by your fruits, Lord. So I pray we'd always keep keep an eye out for that, God. The Pharisees had bad gifts. We don't want that, Lord. We want good gifts. We want to be with those who have good fruit. Change our hearts, Lord, search us. Let us glorify you, Lord. Pray you be with each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.